Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. I'm your host, Aaron Zober covering lifestyles in the world of real food. This podcast is all about telling the stories of people who have benefited from living naturally, both with food and other areas. My guest today is Adam Ouellette. Adam is a physician who over time has moved from complementary to alternative medicine. He also has recently become a homesteader and part of Dr. Cowan's new biology clinic. Adam, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Aaron. It's a great honor to join you today. I'm very happy to have you on. We met a few weeks ago at the Wise Traditions Conference as a few of these guests have been on the show recently, and I loved your story, and you're part of the New Biology Clinic, a sister company to Dr. Cowan's Garden, because we had Asheron a couple months ago, and you know, I've interviewed many people who have had Dr. Cowan as a physician and always heard wonderful stories, so I'm always honored to meet more people from the team. Yeah, no, it's been a very exciting year joining the team and getting this new biology clinic going. Well, it's a great team. I was glad I got to have meal with a few of the people on your team and also sat with some of your team to see Dr. Cowan speak at that panel he did for the Ask the Experts. Yeah, it was a great event, the Wise Traditions, a few weeks ago. So it was great to meet you there. It was. I think that was one of the best. Yeah, so many of the talks were great. A lot of the conversations I had on the side, too, were just so wonderful. So a lot of synergy there and, of course, mainly focused on food and natural healings. And was that your first? That was my first time there, yeah. Yeah, it was nice that we have a lot of first-time attendees there. And I hope certainly a lot of these will be back next year. I'll definitely be trying to make it back, for sure. Me too. Yeah, it's great. So that was about my fifth, and it's my first one in about several years, but certainly I'm hoping to make them more frequently, if not every year. Yeah, no, I can say from an overall health perspective, it's the best conference I've been to. A lot of the ones I go to focus mainly on food, but this one has food and really all aspects of health and living, so it really covers a wide variety. And it's different because I go to a lot of the trade shows, but this one is more just about the people following it, so both kinds of shows are great to go to. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of great talks, a lot of great information. You can meet a lot of different people presenting their different services and products there, but a lot of it just networking and meeting a lot of great people that are very naturally minded and critically thinking, which is always nice to have these days. Certainly is. So now let's hear your story about how you became naturally minded. Yeah, of course, it's probably a longer story we can go into today. But <laughs> general principles are I grew up probably like an average American household, but more again, like you said, naturally minded, right? So what did that mean? It kind of meant looking at vitamins, mainstream vitamins, living an active lifestyle, pretty active and doing sports and activities and eating generally what we thought was highly good recommended foods. But that definitely has changed over time, right? I think the keys are is understanding from early on was more of a sense that natural is the better way naturally addressing things to now knowing and understanding that there's no doubt that things of nature are what really help us heal and so it went more from again vitamins and supplements 
to looking at if we're going to do supplementation and that making sure these are naturally derived and understanding the source, right? Understanding the source of our supplements, understanding the source of our food, understanding the source of all the things matter. And so that's evolved over time. So I went into, like you mentioned, uh, allopathic medicines. I went to med school and initially was thinking I really wanted to go into cardiology, had this affinity to the heart and understanding that this is obviously it vital part or maybe the key part of our health but through training was nudged away from that because one thing was actually just because of lifestyles logistically when i have a family and it just didn't seem like it was congruent with that type of specialty and so i went into anesthesia residency and then a specialty in pain management which i felt was one area of modern medicine where you could have some flexibility and compassion for a person that was suffering because a lot of medicine is solely based off of symptoms a lot of them are effects not causal issues so i felt like this was an area of medicine where i could get down to the root cause more but again in my training and practice what i saw was that different conditions for instance like fibromyalgia what we are told the physical symptoms they were having a lot of time were manifestations of emotional issues and lifestyle issues that weren't at all being addressed. And so as I started to notice this and started to apply changes and some of the patients were wanting to make changes with those parts of their life, started to see that not everyone needed to continue with this as a lifelong condition that they were just managing with medication. So a lot of my career in allopathic medicine was getting people off medications and that's always been my personal approach is even over the counter, I've never had an affinity for medications of any sort. Yes. And so with working in pain management, I can certainly see how that could be more of what you're looking for of natural ways and working with patients that wasn't all medicine, pharmaceutical related. Were there still some ways which you thought it could have gone further than it did? Oh, certainly. Yeah. When you look at a lot of the mainstream, there's areas where maybe they get close, but it's never spot on. It's never the true natural way because a lot of pain management try to start with hands-on therapy, physical therapy, and all this talking about mainstream therapy and medicine. I'm talking about the system. Most of the people I worked with are amazing people. They had amazing hearts, but the overall training and system doesn't get down to the natural mechanics. So the physical therapy doesn't get down to the natural biomechanics of how we move. So even that, again, was it fell far short of where we can optimize health. Certainly with medications, it's a suppressive approach, right? So trying to get people off, of course, painkillers and that, but even use of steroids in these where people feel better in the short term, the only thing it's really doing is suppressing the body's natural processes of healing. And this is where you get into a lot of this misconception of inflammation, for instance, with pain, right? Is that a lot of like functional medicine approach and even a lot of the natural healing alternative health approaches look at inflammation as the enemy, right? This is the villain that's causing all this chronic illness. If we look deeper into it, and it's very easy to see with very basic things like stubbing your toe, right? What happens? You stub your toe, your toe gets swollen, inflamed. This is part of the healing process, right? Inflammation is not bad. If you have chronic inflammation, it's a sign that you're probably deficient. So this is, again, coming back into food deficiencies. You can see people have significant deficiencies are in chronic inflammatory states, or they have a lot of exposure to toxicity. Again, this can be introduced through foods where you're getting exposed to toxicity, and now you're constantly damaging the body, creating this inflammatory state. So again, having a deeper understanding of what the root causes is inflammation isn't the problem. It can be an indicator that there's a problem. 
And as I'd mentioned in the beginning, you're now part of Dr. Cowan's new biology clinic. How has Dr. Thomas Cowan been an influence to you? Well, I mean, he's the greatest impact on my career out of anyone by far. And it's pretty amazing because we just met a few years ago. But I was kind of at a point of crossroads where I had over 10 years tried to develop a hybrid system with, again, allopathic medicine and a more natural holistic approach. And it became clear a few years ago that that wasn't possible anymore. So in my mind, it had to start from the ground up. We had to create a new way of looking at this. And so over the last few years working with Dr. Cowan, I think the big underlying principles that really resonate with me is the constant pursuit of truth and being completely honest, right? Academically and intellectually honest. It's just so lacking from so many areas of medicine. And again, a lot of it is system-based. It's not that people don't have integrity, but the systems they're based off are not based off of true integrity to science and to natural laws that we understand. So yeah, he's had an amazing impact and helped guide me through that. And it's a great privilege now to be able to work with him in the new biology clinic. When he was on the Ask the Experts panel, one of the things that amazed me the most about him was his explanation that he sees every patient as unique, and he thinks that that's a lot of times overlooked with conventional medicine. Is that approach that you agree with as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I think if we look at anything in nature, the, everything in nature is unique, right? Every animal, if you look at every rock, certainly every person, I think we're all created uniquely. And then we're influenced by all the different factors and influences around us, our own environments as we grow up. So we're definitely so unique. And therefore, our story, as Dr. Cowan talks about, is always going to be different, right? So if we tell our life story, Again, I just got into a little bit of it, but you could share your story. We're all going to have a unique story. No person's going to have the same story about their own life. And so these are all influences that make us who we are. And therefore, depending on where we're at with our own health journey, going to impact what probably the remedy or the solution might be for that. Another thing that I think is great about Dr. Cowan is his emphasis on food and nutrition. The Dr. Cowan's Garden actually started in part because he was wanting his patients to incorporate more vegetables into their diet. And so he had these wonderful powders, which included five different vegetables in that. And what are your thoughts on food as medicine? Well, absolutely. It's the core of medicine, right? Food. And I think, again, this gets overlooked with mainstream medicine is looking at, okay, food's important. Maybe that gets acknowledged, gets lip service. But now we have these pharmaceuticals and we have these substances that are much more powerful to help someone when they become ill. I think one of the big differences, I know you go into this a lot, what is food? Most food in the grocery market, I wouldn't even recognize as true food, as real food, right? It's not naturally processed. It's not naturally prepared in a way that is nourishing the body. And it's probably more synthetic and processed than real food. So yeah, absolutely. When we give our body what it needs, in many ways, that's how we can correct a lot of our health issues. I do feel even with natural healing, there can be different tools we can use. But I talk to people that have cupboards full of different supplements and spending so much money. And we really look at it and say, is all this necessary, right? Is it really helpful? Or are we trying to over manipulate even in a natural way where I think if we get down to the basics of it, food is so critical because our body is made up of food, right? We look at the fats and the proteins of our body when we are getting those from good, healthy, non-toxic sources from food that is constructing our body 
And when you look at ancient views of what is health, it's a sound mind and body, right? So that comes down to the soundness is based off structure. When you have proper structure from the food, then you have proper functioning. And again, that's totally reversed, I think, with modern medicine. It is a good question of are the supplements necessary? I think another thing, and you were talking earlier about the right supplements, and that's very important of taking the right supplements, not just the right types, but also looking at the source of the supplements, because as it's my job to read labels for food, it goes for supplements too. And I've seen some supplements who create things such as the rancid omega-6 oils. I've seen supplements with soybean oil in them. And you really have to be careful about the brand you choose of the supplements. What are their practices in terms of being truly natural? And what do they put into them? Absolutely. The source is everything, right? Is it a good quality source? And then how is it handled? Like you're talking about the processing of it, just like food supplements, especially oils, if they're not handled properly, they will become rancid. And so something that's a very nourishing source of oil in its natural sense in the plant or the animal, all of a sudden, by the time it gets into your body, is something that's actually harming you. That actually happens more often than not. So I think that's a great point because when we go to even the health food stores, it's good to have just a proper understanding of what is the source of this and how was it handled and processed because is it still in a form, even though in theory it could be good for us, in actuality it might actually be harming us. Do you think that people should ultimately go for not having to take any supplements at all? Or are there some supplements that you think are necessary? No, I definitely feel like you can get benefit from supplements. Again, I think there's a lot of this is unfortunately, it's a big market, right? And so some people just aren't really intending to try to help people. They're putting out against subpar supplements. I think in general, the biggest deficiency we have, and if you go back to reading literature from the late 1800s, early 1900s, is mineral deficiencies. These were being noted by physicians already back over 100 years ago. And a lot of this is attributed to the agricultural practices, right, that are using chemicals and these fertilizers that are stripping the minerals out of the soil, which is the natural source of minerals that are then uptaked by the roots of the plants that we're either eating the plants or eating the animals that are eating those plants, right? So that's kind of the process of how we get minerals in as well as from water. But when we look at how these things are processed again, we see a major, major lack of food, particularly is processed and grown we see a major issue of deficiency of minerals. So nearly everyone, again, it's hard to put a number, but I would say nearly every American has some mineral deficiency. If you start to talk to them, the symptoms, their things that are complaining about their health, you can see clear connection to deficiency. So I personally feel like it's really hard nowadays to not supplement with some kind of mineral. Coming back to a natural form of it, and there's great natural forms. We're really well-balanced and natural forms our body can actually use and uptake and are bioavailable to our bodies is critical. I think you nailed that. Sharon Brown, who is a nutritional therapist, and she's also the founder of Bonafide Provisions, the bone broth company, she said that she does recommend supplements because of very much the reason that you said is that our soil is so depleted now and it's hard to get all the nutrients out of what's grown. Yeah. And then just too, depending on where we're getting our food from, if we're getting food from distant places, might not be optimally harvested, right? And maybe not optimally grown. So it's just going to be depleted maybe in some of the other key vitamins and nutrients we're looking for. So again, I think you're getting good sources, like you mentioned, of supplements to try to help supplement different vitamins and stuff like that. Again, I think that can be helpful, but coming back to 
naturally food source, right? Of these like vitamin C, there's a huge difference between synthetically ascorbic acid versus naturally derived vitamin C from food source. So again, depending what the source is, absolutely, I think there can be benefit. But I think it's a good thing just for anyone to evaluate is from a financial standpoint, from a effective standpoint or efficiency standpoint, what's really helping and what isn't? Those are questions I always ask myself talking to others. Yes. Lots of great points that you bring up, specifically how much of it is necessary and from a financial standpoint. Do you think that it's sometimes, because certainly the natural way of living is something which is much more in practice now, I'd say, than certainly 10 years ago, definitely 20, 30 years ago. Do you think there are some ways that some of these supplement companies can be just about making money the same way that the pharmaceutical industry is. Yeah. If you look at general analogies, again, I see a lot of analogies between mainstream allopathic pharmaceutical system and a lot of natural. They're almost replacing, if you look at it closely, they're almost replacing the pharmaceutical drug for a natural alternative, right? And so I, again, this doesn't seem like it's a sound practice back to health. Again, it's a step away from toxicity because we know the pharmaceuticals are toxic and suppressive. So it's a step away from that, which is good. But is that the most effective way of restoring health? I don't think so. I don't think so either. And this is all about sourcing. You have to look at sourcing the right food, sourcing the right supplements. And I would say also source the right practitioner because I have seen some natural health practitioners who it seems to me like they love to push all these different natural supplements in the same way that say a physician may push a lot of pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I think that's the reality of what we're seeing right now. And in some ways, again, if we look at the whole picture from a financial standpoint, people are spending a lot more money to go down that route, right, of what they think is natural medicine, functional medicine. They're spending thousands of dollars on testing, thousands of dollars on supplements. And at the end of the day, we talked to a lot of them, they're not seeing a major improvement in their health. They might see some small improvements. Again, some of them might talk a little bit more about nutrition, which is going to be beneficial and they might see benefits there. But again, unless we really break out of this paradigm that we're in, even if we look at it and just use supplements to try to supplement, I don't think it's a way we can supplement out of our disease state. Agreed. And as you talk about this, you bring up a number of the different terms we hear, natural medicine, functional medicine. What term would you use to describe the type of medicine that you practice? So I think holistic medicine, and I would use (laughs) W-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, you know, more of a whole approach, right? Because it's interesting how a lot of people spell H-O-L, which is, I think, a more of a deficient thing, right? Where you think of the wholeness of one, we're looking at the entire person, the individual, looking at their story again, and then looking at all these different factors that can impact health. Because again, it comes back to emotions, it comes back to food as a core comes back to movement, comes back to sleep, it comes back to breath. So all these different ways, trying to bring that all together to focus on the entire person. Because once you hear their story, instead of saying, okay, you have this knee issue, we're going to focus just on your knee. Let's hear everything going on and put this all together. And when we do that, I think we can restore health with people. And as we talk about the importance of food over supplements and really as food as medicine, I know that recently you've moved and you've gone into homesteading. Was that part of the reason that you went to homesteading was to know where all the food is coming from and grow the most nutrient dense foods you can? Yeah, that's a huge part of it, right? It's been an amazing journey. And actually just over a year ago, we started a homestead here out in the Ozarks. And it's been the most amazing learning opportunity in every which way. It's such an amazing experience. Obviously, the work is very purposeful, right? 
you're working and trying to prepare the healthiest food. But I think in some ways, you mentioned about knowing the source. I think we're getting to a point right now where it's almost inevitable if we care about our health and really want to optimize our health, we have to be connected to our food source. So it doesn't mean we have to grow all our own food, but I think we need to know where it's coming from. So we either have to do that work and do some research and searching to find someone that's doing it right and or do it ourselves. And so, yeah, we've been going down this path now the last year of starting Massive Garden and we have cows and pigs and chickens. And it's just an amazing, amazing journey to learn and the parallels between gardening and regenerative farming and our own health, they mirror each other. And so it is a fascinating thing to see is that when we actually build up the soil, when we do things in a natural sense to improve hydration of the soil, these are the exact same things that we're trying to do with our bodies, right? We're trying to improve the mineral content of our body. We're trying to hydrate our bodies. And when we do things in a natural way, it creates a lot of health, both in our animals and our plants and in ourselves as well. Well, that's amazing, all that you're raising on the homestead. I know you have a family, so obviously part of this is to feed your family, but are you looking also doing part of this to feed the community? Yeah, you know, I think that's a big part of the way forward is building community. I think without community, then it's not as enjoyable and it's, it becomes a lot more difficult, right? Because this, this isn't something once you get into it that you realize not one person to takes a village to do this. So yeah, I think one of the big pieces of advice we had is not to chomp off too much at one time. So we've been trying to heed that. And I think it's been helpful. So we have room to expand, but we started off with what seemed manageable and trying to learn kind of the principles of how to do this before we start to grow it. But as we see in nature, there is an abundance, right? When you start to grow and propagate in the garden and with livestock, it's really amazing to see when you actually nourish and support and care for nature, there's an abundance. So... Yeah, we'd hope to in the future be able to share more with the community. That would be wonderful. We're talking a lot about the benefits of eating proper nutrition as part of health, which I know in medical school is really a very small part of what they learn. And it sounds to me like you've always had certainly an interest and understanding of the importance of a proper diet. When you were in med school, did that concern you that you didn't learn much about nutrition? Yeah, I can say pretty much learn nothing. It's almost hard probably for someone to fathom when they go to the doctor and they're naturally minded and they're thinking their physician learned something. Anything that I know today about nutrition, I did not learn it in med school. I can tell you that for a fact. So does it seem somewhat ironic that those that are supposed to be in care of our health don't learn anything about nutrition. And I think a lot of times when we have conversations with physicians, that becomes apparent, right? Many people you talk to, they're at a different level of understanding about food and nutrition than their physician, at least from their traditional training perspective. Absolutely. So where did then you learn about proper nutrition? Yeah, I mean, this is all, I guess, self-learn, but definitely Weston A. Price Foundation is an amazing source, just getting different material through them. So I would say that was probably one of the biggest sources for me to really gaining knowledge about nutrition. Had you read Dr. Weston Price's Nutrition and Physical Degeneration? Yeah, that and Sally Fowler Morales Nourishing Traditions. Yes. Yeah. And then reading articles over time and, and obviously talking to people, understanding, again, 
from a principle standpoint, things become a lot simpler when you look at it from a natural perspective, right? When you look at nutrition and mainstream, how many books are there out there? seems like every day there's another dozen, right? There's thousands and thousands of books that really miss the point, right? They might bring up certain aspects of it, but it gets so complex. Most people are so confused. And again, going back to it, if you have an allopathic doctor, they're just as much confused as everyone else because they're not taught about it. That's the reality. So really it's a lot simpler when we look at the basics of nutrition and it's it makes it a lot more, I think, enjoyable to look at food instead of a stressful thing of counting carbs and worrying about gluten. It's like, well, I don't worry about that. I get it in a fermented form and it's very nourishing to me and it's digestible. And so, yeah. Oh, I love that you bring that up about gluten. Yes. And that's something that I love about the Western price versus even some other ancestral organizations, ancestral diets is they do understand that gluten has been a traditional food. It's just that it hasn't been in the current form of the baker's yeast and really the dead yeast that's used for it versus the living cultures of sourdough bread. Oh, I love how you said that. I mean, that's one of the themes of how we look at healing is, again, allopathic is really, their research is all about looking at dead cells and dead tissue and everything is based off of things that try to understand living organisms by studying things that are dead and, and you know, are frozen. Really, when you look at, again, coming back to this abundance of life, it's just such a different perspective. It focuses more on the quality than the quantity, right, aspects of it. But again, with nutrition, there's a lot of these things like gluten or dairy that are, I would say, vilified. Mm -hmm. The problem is they don't talk about the heart of the matter. It's the, again, the toxic forms of these and the highly processed forms of them that make it damaging to our health, right? Pasteurizing the dairy and what that does versus good, high quality grass-fed raw dairy products. So great point. Yes, it's all about doing it the way it used to be. There's a baker that I know in the Los Angeles area that she's making everything with sourdough from breads to hamburger buns to cookies even because she explains that everything used to be made with sourdough and that's the way to go and yeah similar with milk pasteurization is not that old of a process it was only within the past 100 or so years and we used to drink everything raw the problem was the industrialization was what made it bad it's not the foods itself it's not the compounds such as the gluten or the casein yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't add on to that. And like you said, there are a lot of books about allopathic medicine and health that get some areas right, but we have seen certainly a growth of books more about ancestral nutrition and other ways of natural food, other ways of more traditional diets, such as Gary Taub's Good Calories, Bad Calories, Nina T. Schultz's Big Fat Surprise, have you read some of those? I haven't read those particular books, but I would agree there's some good literature that's coming out. And again, it really, I think the benchmark is looking at, do we measure this against traditional ways of eating, right? Because that's the best litmus test in my mind for, we see cultures of people that didn't have these chronic health issues. How are they eating? And how does that measure up to how we're eating today and what we're seeing today? Yes, which was pretty much the focus of Dr. Weston Price's Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Are there any recent books that you recommend? I've been doing a lot of regenerative farming. So it's been a lot of our homeschooling and our building our homestead. So like Joel Salatine, some of his work. Oh, yes. Anything yeah. So Beyond great. Labels. I, you know, been aware of it, but I've delved more into Natasha Campbell McBride's work and her books. So yes. those would be a couple of the authors that I've really enjoyed, I guess, more recently. Absolutely. 
Great choices. So we've talked about the need for the best food and for picking the right supplements. And I know there's a number of other areas with alternative holistic medicine that you push for. So let's get into some of those. Yeah, really, when we look at medicine, again, it's a lot simpler than allopathic makes it seem like, right? There's all these specialties, and then there's whole cohort of different approaches that become very specialized and nobody really understands what's going on. But if we really break down what are the keys to health again, we talk about nutrition, we talk about movement and natural movement, we talk about hydration is a really key to health. And hydration is more than just enough water, right? Because that's, I think, the typical thing even taught to a physician is, do you have enough water? That's where it ends. But what's the quality of the water? What is the structure or how organized is that water? Because then it goes back to this term living. It becomes a living functional water that's a totally different substance than the water that's dead. Does it have the balance of minerals, right? Because water works in conjunction with minerals to create the miracle of life and to optimize functioning, right? And to hold the charge. Because if you look at your car battery, if it doesn't have electrolytes in there, you know, you're going to turn your key or push your button and your car is not going to start. So same thing with us is we don't have the balance of minerals in our bodies or our body doesn't have the ability to hold the charge. And so that's probably one of the other huge parts is this whole idea of charge and electricity and frequency in our body because we are electrical beings that's very much well known we have even an allopathic medicine different tests that we do to measure you know the electrical frequency or field of our heart and our nervous system and our brain so they're measurable but these aren't things that are typically talked about in allopathic or even a lot of natural medicine yes there's a great documentary on frequencies called body electric by Justin Smith, he had done Staten Nation, which he talked about on this podcast several years back. And I watched that, and it's a very fascinating subject of frequencies or electroceuticals, as he refers to them. And what was interesting was it's actually been around for a long time, but has been largely ignored. And for many reasons, some of the early looks at it were not very scientific, but also it was something that very much got ignored due to Abraham Fleckner and how he shaped the current medical system. Yeah, I agree. It's ancient cultures used it a lot. It's used in very minimal ways in recent history. But again, understanding frequencies is a very, very critical part to optimizing health. And I think especially today can be used as a great tool understanding that the toxic load that we face, a lot of it is coming on a frequency level, right? These EMFs or these wireless impulses, these non-natural impulses are very disruptive to life in general, to biology, including us as people. So these are great tools that we can use to help detoxify and to restructure and to help signaling regeneration as our body is under more of a barrage than it's ever been before. Yes. I like how you bring up the EMS. Do you think that part of the reason that the frequencies haven't caught on as much is some people in the natural living space may even have some misunderstandings about it as they're concerned with some of these disruptions of frequencies and they don't understand how frequencies used for medicine are very different than EMFs and other frequencies that occur. Yeah, I think, again, some of this is this idea that frequency, again, if EMFs are understood as bad, then we don't want to use any type of frequencies and staying away from that. Um, and any type of use of technology could be bad. But it really, again, comes back to this idea we started early on about what's natural and unnatural. So these very pulsed frequencies that are used with wireless communications, they're very destructuring to our body. And so 
as we see, like you mentioned, our body is electric, we electric field. We're also water, right? We're 70% by volume water. And so water is very sensitive to electromagnetic fields, unnatural ones and destructures it. So again, using natural frequencies. And again, this is the benefit of grounding, right? Literally putting our feet on the soil, our bodies on the soil could be touching a tree. These are things where we get these natural frequencies that help in a great way to bring balance back into the body. And these are things that are visible, like live microscopy. If you look at a blood sample, you can see how the flow improves as you start to bring in natural frequencies into the body. I think it basically breaks down to our body is made up of frequencies. Yeah, everything is frequency, right? If you look at our emotions, they're electrical, our thoughts, right? These are frequencies, the words that we're speaking right now. We understand from a physics standpoint that these are sound frequencies. And ultimately, even the physical, you look at as a manifestation of energy, right? And energy is what moves everything, right? So this is where, when we're really talking about what are the biggest things people complain about, really it comes down to the lack of energy, right? oh, I just don't have the energy to do this. And we complain about when we're not able to function, right? So what moves and allows us to function in the end is mostly about energy. And it's, again, having the physical structure, hydrated tissue of our bodies that allows the medium for that to happen. I think one of the major advantages of using these electroceuticals over pharmaceuticals and perhaps even supplements is that if you have the wrong frequency, it won't have any negative effect on you, which I think some people may misunderstand. They may think that the wrong frequency can do damage. But my understanding is that with frequencies, you get the wrong frequency. It's basically like a tuning fork that has a different frequency. There's just no reaction at all. Yeah, it comes down to the whole principle of resonance, right? So if it's in the right frequency, it's going to resonate. You take two tuning forks and you hit the same frequency tuning fork, it's going to cause the other one to start to resonate and to move. And so that's how, you know, when you use natural healing frequencies and you can basically input those frequencies into the body, it will take a diseased tissue and start to resonate it back into functioning better. And this is really, you know, if we get into like the study of stem cells and regenerative medicine, this is kind of at the key point that's really been taken out of the recent years of research that's been put into it. It comes down to signaling. That's the number one take out of countless billions of dollars that I looked at research of stem cells is it comes down to signaling and signaling is frequency. So we can actually start to regenerate tissue, whether you have an injury to an area or you're sick because there's toxicity that's causing damage. Frequency is the key. And we actually see this now in a practical sense where you're using some of these frequency devices, you can see regenerative changes that we never saw before. These changes that might be seen in like stem cell type of treatments that cost tens of thousands of dollars. Now there's possibility for a few hundred dollars to get devices in your own home that you can use to help regenerate. So it's a great, great tool to have from that perspective. I love that term regenerative medicine. We have regenerative agriculture, so why shouldn't medicine be regenerative too? Absolutely. I think that's really the key to this, right? When we look at self-sustaining and we look at the most natural way to do it, it is about regeneration. Because if we look at our soils and we're growing something, it builds up greater and greater soil, greater and greater health as we do things in a natural way to regenerate. And we don't do things chemically to strip and to alter and to manipulate things in an unnatural way. Same thing with our bodies. When we start to use these frequencies to help stimulate and regenerate, 
we can see healing happening on a phenomenal level. So many things that are even chronic that people have lived with for decades, there is a possibility to start to regenerate this when we start to activate regeneration, when we simply give our body what it needs, proper, again, water, hydration, proper food, and we get movement mixed in there. These are things that will bring back flow and will allow our bodies to heal, even though we've been told, because again, I can go back to my medical school training and there's things that I was told, these things cannot heal. These are chronic. These tissues don't regenerate. And that's been shown time and time again, that it's not true that our body has the ability to regenerate. I'd love to hear that term more regenerative medicine, or maybe, because I know some people ask, what does regenerative mean, regenerative agriculture? And as I look at it, it's essentially renewable agriculture, renewable medicine, just like renewable energy, agriculture and medicine needs to renew, or perhaps we should be calling renewable energy, regenerative energy. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it because it is something that is renewable. It brings new life. It brings abundance of health and abundance of food. And I think it's self-sustaining. This is a word that gets thrown around a lot, but we know that the custom now, the mainstream of industrial farming is not sustainable. It's very high inputs. It's destructive to the soil, destructive to people, destructive to the economy. And same thing then with health as well, is that these things are very, very destructive. And when we look at it from a regenerative perspective, these are things that we can start to take more power in a way into our own hands and understand that we can help our bodies heal. You touched upon a little bit earlier about people being able to do some of this regenerative medicine at home. What are some products you'd recommend for that? Yeah, again, there's multiple different ways we could look at that. In some ways, there are definitely foods that are known to be more regenerative. So I'll throw one out there as an example would be like beet kvass, right? Lacto-fermented mm -hmm. beets. Oh, yes. We need more of that. Yeah, it's so simple and it's a great liver tonic, but it definitely has regenerative properties. It's a purifier of the blood. So again, I think a lot of what you see approaches to regeneration both have a purifying effect and they also have an activating regenerative renewing aspect of it too. So particular to frequency devices, again, this is how we see them working. They're increasing structure and organization of the blood and of the tissues. So now they're increasing circulation and flow. And at the same time, it's detoxifying or purifying, and then it's activating regeneration. So again, you can find some of these that are quite complex. They can cost tens of thousands of dollars. You need to go to courses for them. But I would say for user-friendly devices nowadays, there's some on the market where you can kind of plug and play type of thing. You don't have to have a whole lot of knowledge. They're extremely safe, but then they're also affordable. Itericare would be one of those that I've seen. We've seen great success. It's a very sound product, um, has several years of safety studies on it and it's affordable. The entry products are in the few hundred dollar range. So that would be one. It's iTeraCare, I-T-E-R-A-C-A-R-E, iTeraCare. It has scalar frequency and terahertz frequency, but it's a very resonant, like you mentioned before, has a very resonant frequency with high optimal functioning in the body. So it has a balancing effect and it has a structuring effect and a detoxifying regenerative effect in the body that is, is quite remarkable. Wonderful. I'd love to learn more about that. And I'd like to get into Bikavas, which you brought up. Did you get a chance to sample Garden Goddess Ferments, their Bikavas at the Wise Traditions Conference? I missed that. No, I didn't get that. Yes, it was great. And this is a company that before she'd been making mainly sauerkrauts, but sauerkrauts, it's a very saturated market in 
the natural product space. And so she's now focusing on the beet kvass because there really isn't on the market. There was one years ago, I had him on my show actually, Zuke had a wonderful beet kvass, but then they sold to a larger company. And the reason actually that he went into it in the first place was because so many people were making sauerkrauts that he wanted to offer a ferment that we hadn't seen. So I'm hoping that Garden Goddess Ferments will have great success because we definitely need different types of ferments out there. Absolutely. I mean, these, again, are keys to traditional cultures, you know, what they saw as sound health, right, and helping to this regenerative, restorative aspect of it. So I really appreciate that because I didn't get to try it, but I will look into it and definitely share that because we have a lot of people that are interested in specifics because, again, there's an overload of information out there, right? So some people that, you know, if we do the work and to share this information to others saying, hey, I just don't know where to look. I'm looking for great product here. That's a great one. So yeah, I'm going to have to look that up when we're done here. Oh yes, you can go to gardengoddessferments.com. Wonderful product and you can read the story of the founder because she'd improved her own life through natural healing. So that's a great one to recommend with what they do and she's very much a big supporter of the Westnay Price Foundation and Sally Fallon. Wonderful. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's what I try to do too, is to at least share with people. I definitely tell people to follow your own path. You know, when you get information, make sure it resonates with you. But I can also share with you a good link for that Itera Care device if something you want to post. If people oh, yes. are looking for it, just because there are very close lookalikes. But again, the lightning years apart, because once important but maybe seemingly small thing with frequency devices is penetration so a lot of devices they only are working millimeters deep and they're not penetrating down into the tissue if we're trying to work on the blood or maybe we're trying to work on the bone in the bone marrow a lot of the devices they're not even getting past the skin literally so it's important that they use devices that are effective and for someone to pay for something and not get what they think they're getting is unfortunate yes and as we talk about products and you had talked very much about the importance of water and hydration when I go to these trade shows, I see all kinds of ways, different ways, new ways that these companies are trying to sell water. So certainly it's important to find the right source water. What type of water would you recommend that people consume? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of products out there. I mean, ultimately, I think there's a few things to consider with water. First and foremost, I would say the toxicity thing, right? Because so much of water is polluted and toxic sitting in a plastic water bottle, absorbing phthalates or, you know, different things from the plastics is not a good quality water. So that would be the first and foremost is just making sure you're getting a clean source of water. And that would vary on the person. Ideally, true spring is a great source. If you don't have access to spring water, then filtering your water, if you're not sure if it's contaminated is a good idea. So I would say getting clean water. And then the other aspects would be structuring the water. So helping the water to get very, very organized again, where it becomes this living energetic water. And then the last thing would be mineral balanced, right? So especially if we're filtering the water and we're taking out minerals, we want to make sure that we're getting the minerals and the balanced minerals back in. So I think there's, again, so many different ways of going about that. Of note, since we already talked about it, this Itericare is a way to structure and energize the water. It does have a purification mm. effect. Wow. If we look at the work of Gerald Pollack, when the water becomes structured, it starts to, what he called the exclusion zone, it starts to exclude impurities. So it does have a purification, structuring, energetic effect. So that is a great tool 
tool that you could use not only to help with your own health and structuring your own blood and your own tissues, but you can use it on your drinking water because the water that's structured is going to be much more bioavailable because not all water, like you said, is created equal. Some water is almost has a dehydrating effect. So we want water that's structured and energized. That's actually going to be much more bioavailable and hydrating to our tissues. Yes. Gerald Pollack with his book, The Fourth Phase of Water, has opened up a lot about the importance of water. I know Gerald Pollack is also an advocate of frequencies. Yeah, they go hand in hand. I think those are two of the most critical aspects of life and our own health are water and frequency. Yes. In terms of water, would you recommend someone buy a whole house filtration system like one offered by Radiant Life? Yeah. I mean, I think ideally, if you can get a whole house system, right? Because it's not only the water we're drinking, it's the water that we're washing with and cleaning with, and we absorb that. So, I mean, that's the ideal situation. I would say the most critical water would be the water that we're obviously consuming. So at a minimum, do the drinking water. But if you could get a whole house system like Radiant Life, I think that's an ideal situation. Yes. And if can't afford the whole house system, at least just of yet. Radiant Life does also offer under the sink and over the sink versions to filter the water coming from there. Yeah, I think that's the minimum, right? Because that's a huge, huge area, again, of toxicity and disease that people don't talk so much about is the water. I know a lot of people want alkaline water. What are your thoughts on that? So yeah, there's been studies that have looked at alkalinity. I think in general, it's one of those things that has caught on more as a marketing and as a sales thing. If you look at highly energized healing water, it has its hydrogen rich water, right? So it's going to be highly structured and energized. When you you look at water at high pH that has high hydrogen, it has a lot of health benefits. When you actually bring down the pH, it doesn't take away those benefits. It doesn't come down, doesn't change until you bring the hydrogen down. You can actually put the pH back up and keep it alkaline and you're going to lose a lot of those health benefits. So again, I think it's an over vilification about the pH. It's kind of missing the mark. It's more about the structure and the energy of the water. I think so too. I don't think that alkaline water is necessarily needed. I've sometimes thought it might even be snake oil. Yeah, when you look at what our body does with the pH, our body has an amazing ability. Again, when it's well nourished and it's not deficient, it has an amazing ability to handle acidity. And so acidity has its place in our body, certainly in the stomach. Our digestion is very, very acidic to break down animal fat and proteins. That's not the problem. Again, this whole idea, we need to decrease the acidity in our body and start to do that in a way that's not natural is a reverse way of doing it. We need to nourish our body and give it the ability to neutralize the acids so the acidity can play out where it needs to, but not make it out into other places where it can wreak havoc. We've talked a lot about how people listening can improve their health for the better and how you help with patients doing so. I know also you've improved your health in a lot of ways. So what are some of the ways that you've done so? I really try to focus on the basics going back to, you know, what we talked about earlier as far as going beyond just finding the best nourishing foods and staying active and moving. Those are two big goals that we made as we came out to the homestead because modern living, a lot of these conveniences tend to get us more into a sedentary state, right, of sitting. So just trying to find ways we can get outside more in nature on the homestead, that again, happens a lot easier. But even if we're in the city setting, just trying to get some more movement in our life, trying to get connected to our food source and understanding the really simple principles of food, which you do such a tremendous job of bringing to light. And then I would say, you know, on the emotional aspect, right, that's the other thing that 
often gets overlooked. A lot of us have a sense that it has a big part to play with our health, but there's no doubt that it has a massive part to play, right? Our overall sense of being. And so these are intentional things. If we can start to work towards being in the state of more of a peaceful state and a state of trying to find happiness as opposed to the opposite state of being in fear, in worry, being frustrated, angry, we find ourselves in these states, it's actually quite disruptive to our overall health and being because that sets the tone for how well our body can regenerate and heal. We don't optimally heal and we may not heal much at all if we're in this really worry, anxious state, angry, frustrated about, again, as we maybe open our eyes to some of the things that are going on in the world. So I think it's important that we really put our focus in trying to look at things that would bring us joy, things that are going to bring and resonate peace with us and be in this state more of a restful state because you know we look at the parasympathetic sympathetic type of model when we're in this more relaxed state is from a day to night cycle we're regenerating healing at night when we're in this more parasympathetic state we're just about out of time but before we go let the listeners know where they can go online on social media to learn more about you your practice and the new biology clinic Absolutely. Yeah. So if you go to newbiologyclinic.com, you can find information about the clinic. It's been expanding recently. So we're really excited. We brought on some new physicians, practitioners. We're bringing on new services beyond movement and breath, going into biofield tuning and other forms of breath work, relaxation and nutrition, where we can give more content, but also work with individuals that feel like, hey, I really want some individual help and very sound natural practices to this and actually delving into maybe even to a veterinary type of help as well because we've had a lot of people reach out saying you guys are doing amazing work but i'm having a tough time finding someone that can look at this help with my animal from a holistic standpoint so newbiologyclinic.com is the place to go for that wonderful thank you so much i've learned a lot in this past hour well, I've really enjoyed the visit and I really appreciate having me on here. Maybe puts out some great content. So I really appreciate all the work you're doing there. Thank you. And I appreciate the work you're doing as well. All right, Aaron. Thanks so much. That's all for this episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. New episodes of the show are released every Wednesday. I'll be off next week, but we'll be back the following week for my holiday episode and final podcast of 2023. Lonnie Fox of Rose Mallow Artisanal makes a return to the show as I sample some holiday season marshmallow truffles. Follow me on social media for more information on the next episode. And to make sure you never miss any of my podcasts, subscribe to The Appropriate Omnivore in your favorite podcast site or app. You can also listen to all of my podcasts on my website, appropriateomnivore.com. There you can find recipes from the guests I interview, plus all of my articles covering lifestyles in the world of real food. Until next time, my pantry is officially closed. <laughs>